0: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Houston Open recap episode. Joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. What up, KP? Uh,
1: not much. Just watch the end of the Houston Open. I'm in a hotel room in North Augusta, which is adjacent to actual Augusta. I don't know. I don't know why. It. It. it I don't know. There. I don't. I don't understand that. Maybe producer Jacob with his South Carolina knowledge can weigh in on this, but um, yeah, just just sitting here waiting for the Masters. I'm in quarantine right now. Excited about this week and excited to talk some Houston. I actually have some takes off of this, so let's let's get let's get into it.
0: Well, yeah, we're gonna talk plenty about Augusta. Let's give credence to a couple of guys here at the top. But remember, I mean, Kyle already tweeted out Masters Week has started, and we know Masters Week does not start KP until you tweet it out. That's the official, <laughs> right? That's the official start. I think. I think so. So we are obviously going all in, uh, live streaming, which... scary stuff we'll be live streaming all week long youtube.com slash first cut podcast all the updates and everything will be on social twitter and instagram at first cut pod and we will try to incorporate as many questions from the listening audience or viewing audience as possible so the best way to do that the win-win situation for us is drop them with a five-star rating and review in itunes and we'll get through as many as we can houston open Carlos Ortiz with a scorching 65 in the final rounds. Kyle is your Houston open champion. There's actually a lot of things I want to break down about this round, uh, how meaningful it was, but uh, you know, what always gets me is when a guy is standing on the 18th green after just making the winning putt and he is fighting back tears. That gets me every single time. Yeah, I thought it was uh so our our guy, Eric Patterson, tweeted this out,
1: and he said, I don't know that I would feel the same way I do right now if DJ had won. <laughs> that DJ sure. definitely wouldn't have felt the same way. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, I thought it was pretty great. And the shots he hit on specifically 16, yep. the putt on 18, it, it was uh, – I don't know, man. Like, it, it's it, – Carlos Ortiz is – like the story of the middle of the road professional golfer. And that's a, that's a successful career. It's a good life, but it's not kind of the stuff that we always talk about, like Rory and JT and Rom and all these guys. That's not very, that's very atypical. And so, yeah, I thought his celebration with, I guess it was his wife or whatever. I I don't know. The whole thing just struck me as very uh, authentic and, and genuine. I thought it was pretty cool.
0: Third Mexican born player to ever win on the PGA tour. The the first player to win from Latin America since Sebastian Munoz did at the 2019 Sanderson farms. He's 29 years old. Let's talk about a couple of these shots, Kyle, because he was, I I mean, he was locked in. Uh, I, I think of the approach shot on 16, which is a par five. He was, 222 yards out. I think he hit six iron and he started walking after it immediately. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is going to be, this is going to be good. Yeah. He definitely
1: hit six iron. Cause when he, he, he lowered the club yeah. and you could see the six on it. Uh, unless that was a nine and I'm just a moron and Carlos. And, and he's jacked. Yeah. And Carlos he hit nine irons, 220 yards. That's definitely not the case. Um, that shot was awesome. Especially after DJ makes par on 16, because I actually didn't see what did what did, what happened on DJ's second shot like did or was he in trouble off the tee I didn't see his the way he played that on
0: No all. his approach kind of uh, I think he like flared it out to the right he had to try to get up and down he didn't hit, right. hit a particularly great pitch and couldn't couldn't do it <clears throat> That's right
1: now now I remember um, yeah so right just I mean and it was it was weird because they kept showing this shot like from Carlos Ortiz's angle and he was always watching DJ, watching DJ, watching yeah. DJ, which I I guess is the position you want to be in. It's not. It's probably not super comfortable, but uh, he was at least always out in front of him. And so to know DJ makes par, and then you follow it up with that approach shot was. Uh, that, that, to me, felt like when, when the tournament was pretty much
0: over. Yeah, he actually missed the eagle putt from eight feet, but was able to tap it in for birdie. And then uh, the shot that closes this thing out, the putt on 18, you know, right to left breaker. I'll tell you what, KP, he had two putts to get down from there. It was from 22 feet. That thing was moving, okay? If he yeah. misses the cup... <laughs> Like he's got a a little knee knocker coming back for his first PGA tour victory ever. Well, it was moving and it was
1: not very straight. I mean, it like, it like bent in, in the last two feet. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Actually, that would have been, that would have been tough. I mean that too. And, and especially with how, like he was clearly emotional, right? Like he, he was even like over the last few holes. And I don't, I mean, I don't watch a ton of Carlos Ortiz, but he just looked very – like he had a lot of emotion going on. And, like, his face was, like, kind of contort. Like, it just – it seemed like a lot. And somebody tweeted – I can't remember who said this. Maybe Will Knight said, nobody beats Carlos Ortiz 118 times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> which, was, which was pretty hilarious. But, look, he, I mean, he's a good player. He had a great week. Cool for him to get into next year's Masters by beating E.J. Hadaki Brooks, it it wasn't like, you know, it's not, no offense Brennan Todd or, you know, anybody else, it's not like winning the Bermuda, like that was, that was a real, like, he beat some, beat some studs on what I thought was, I, I don't know what you thought about it, I thought it was a cool course, I thought the course was awesome.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm always a big, like 12 under par for me is like the ideal winning score. You know, you shoot yeah. a couple under each day. Uh, Carlos Ortiz finished at 13 under, he won it by two shots. But yeah, I like to see, and, and it was kind of, it was pretty simple too, right? I mean, it's just raised greens, kind of closely uh, mown areas around the greens that, that kind of roll off that can give these guys real fits. And, and, and we saw that all week long. Guys were hitting some really big, they couldn't get up and down, and it, and it really created some interesting situations. I love the way it played out.
1: Well, and, and that's what s- several people were talking about this. Like when you have a course where things can kind of run away from you, right? This is, this is kind of what everything is based on Links Golf like where it was originally created, everything can kind of get away from you. If there's wind, if the ground's hard, whatever, it, it's weird because it's, it's different than like wing foot, which wing foot to me and you seems so difficult. Like it's so hard because right. the rough is up. And, but, but to those guys, like you can almost control things better when the rough is up because you know, it's not going to, you know, and, and again, like wing foot's very difficult, but um, and a place like this, even though it's more wide open and there's not a ton of rough, sometimes that, that gets difficult because it can, the ball can run away from you and you got, I mean, I saw somebody tweeted it out early in the week, like there are more triple, I think it was more triple bogeys at Memorial Park than there were at, at Wingfoot for the entire week, which I don't know. I don't remember the exact set. Some, something like that, which I think speaks to kind of what you're talking about there.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, tip of the cap to Carlos Ortiz. He will be in the 2021 Masters. He will not be in this version of the 2020 Masters that we will get next week, but Dustin Johnson will be. Uh, he finished in a tie for second. He shot a 65 on Sunday. The big question leading into this week, Kyle, was um, you know, is Dustin Johnson going to have rust? It is a situation where he tested positive for COVID a couple weeks ago. This was his first start back and i think we got an emphatic yes he had a ton of rust that lasted 12 holes because he 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 went out in 38 three over par on thursday and was dynamite uh the rest of the week and he comes up a little bit short here but my oh my everybody's licking their chops for dj next week at at augusta
1: yeah so a couple thoughts here one and i tweeted this out Like, doesn't it seem like if everybody had to take five years off and you just picked up clubs for a tournament that DJ like after five years, DJ would win it by like 15.
0: Yes, of course. But like, why is he just that good of an athlete? Is his hand eye coordination just that good? Like he, yes, I completely agree with that statement, but why?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, th- I think to me, it just it seems like what he does is less about like some guys you, you watch and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's like, 19 things that had to be timed up perfectly mm. for the ball to go straight. And, they're, and, the, and they've and and they done it so much and they're so good at it that those things can happen. I think about even, like, Ricky Fowler early in his career, like, he talked a lot about, like, the timing of the swing, all these different things. And DJ, it just – it maybe that is true. It just seems like – it seems like somebody who – it seems a little like Steph Curry, where I, I know you put the work in, but also – it just seems so natural to you to be able to go and do this thing that is very difficult for everybody else.
0: Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. He's just so, yeah, I, I never think of, of DJ as like a technical guy, right? He's, right? he's just out there swinging the club and good things are happening. And yeah. I don't know if that's the way he feels. I mean,
1: it goes it goes back to the, remember the video of him like, how do you hit a fade, DJ? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, You just you just fade it it's like, well, yeah, like, that's the guy that I, that's the guy that I want after five years of nobody playing because he's not thinking like all these different swing thoughts and time, you know, all this different stuff. He's just, he's swinging the golf club, which is, you know, obviously has worked really well over the course of his career.
0: We've we've talked about him kind of being snake bitten a little bit um, heading into major championships or the Masters in particular. But this here's the stretch of golf that he's going to get to Augusta, Georgia with his last six starts: second, sixth, third, second, first, second. He's ready to go. Yeah. What was the oh uh, tour championship? Tour championship. So yeah. that's the official PGA Tour version of the victory. <laughs> not the official not, world golf ranking. Board. I mean, what? how,
1: how are you going to think about him if he does only win one major in his career? Like what, does it matter to you that he only has one? doesn't matter to me.
0: I think it matters to, I think, I think it matters to his legacy. I mean, you can't, it's very difficult to, to put him in an upper echelon of golfers that have 20 plus PGA tour victories that, I mean, I mean, he's, a win in what thirteen straight seasons? I mean, he's he's dominated this era, and to only have one major, like you can't put him you can't put him above a lot of guys, right? If you're trying to do the the ranks, which I know we do the ranks for clicks and whatever, but like if you're really trying to bear it out, like you you got to have major victories.
1: Yeah, I looked this up today because I was I was writing kind of like a ten storylines thing for uh, for the Masters. So there's a hundred and 43 golfers who have won one major and there's 82 that have won more than one major. So to me, just the separation between one and two and there's only, let's see, 46, I think that have won three or more. Mm. You start to, you, I mean, it really like it, it doesn't sound like a lot, like one to two to three, But you really start to kind of pare down the list of guys that have done that as you start inching up. Uh, Obviously, when you get into like seven, eight, nine, like that's nobody's nobody does that. But I I do agree with you that legacy wise, like the difference between three majors and one major is way more than it sounds like, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't like when we hear that, it doesn't sound like a ton. And some of that's because Tiger made it not sound like a ton, but the difference when you look at the list of guys that have done that is, I mean, it, it's worlds apart.
0: It's, it's, it's super special stuff. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I want him to get off the show. I feel like, yeah, the difference between two and one to me is massive. And Mark has talked about the validation behind getting a second victor, a second regular victory on the PGA tour, let alone a second major is is kind of leaps and bounds. Um, another interesting name here tied for second at the Houston Open, it's Hideki Matsuyama who. There were three guys who shot the course record on Sunday. So Hideki, Taylor Gooch, and Mackenzie Hughes shot a 63. All now posting the course record at Memorial Park. But Hideki, I mean, speaking of guys who I don't know, you you could argue have underperformed in their career when it comes to victories. He's now trending in the right direction as he heads to as he heads to Augusta National.
1: Yeah, I, he is. I mean, he's a great player, but I, I think my thing with Hideki and maybe this is right, maybe it's wrong. I just never go into a major thinking like, you know what, Hideki's going to contend. Like, like what's his uh, Aaron Hills? Is that where didn't didn't he finish like second or third there? But like, has there has there been anywhere else where you're like, man, I think he finished fourth of the Masters one year. I just. My confidence level with him at majors is not high. I'm not totally sure why. Maybe it's the short game, or maybe it's the putting. Maybe I I, I don't know why that is. But I don't. I'm not taking what he's done recently and thinking, man, it's going to be a great week for Hideki at Augusta. It
0: it never feels like he's in contention. Okay, so he will. He has a lot of yellow boxes on Wikipedia. Which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a top ten in a major. He's got he's got a bunch of yellow boxes, but a lot of them seem to come with a low round on Saturday or a low round on Sunday where he was kind of never really in it. Right. Like has he been in the lead of a major championship on the weekend? Like has that, has that ever happened?
1: Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I I don't know that. So he, so he hasn't finished in the top 10 in a major in the last three uh, since what is that? 2017 PGA. What was 2017 PGA? Was that Brooks? No. No.
0: It was. I have it right here. Justin Thomas at Quail Hollow. 18 was Brooks at Bell Reeve. 19 was Brooks at Bethpage.
1: Yeah. So was 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 Hideki in the 2017 PGA at Quail Hollow? I mean, maybe he was, and I don't really remember it. But I don't think so. He finished T5, and you're like, I don't know. But to me, the only one that I that I really remember is Aaron Hills because he shot. I think he shot like a 65 or. Something crazy on Sunday to kind of backdoor a T two, but other than that, you're just you kind of look around. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, I like contend for something. Even even we give we we give Rick Fowler a hard time, which by the way, congrats on getting him on on show. It's yeah, great. it
0: was great. That was a lot of fun.
1: Um, but we give him a hard time for not winning majors. He finished second at the Masters two years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, that I, I don't know. It's just I, I feel like we give guys like Hideki a little bit of a free pass when he hasn't really been in it at a major championship over the course of his career.
0: Yeah, so here, uh, that, that Quail Hollow PGA Championship, he was tied for the lead with Kevin Kisner through two rounds. He was one shot back through three, and he finished three shots back of Justin Thomas for a time. Okay. For
1: so, so he so he was in it, but I just – I don't know. It's sort of how I feel about DJ at Augusta. You're like, I know he's got a bunch of top tens, but like, was there ever a moment with DJ at Augusta where I was like, Dustin Johnson is winning the Masters on a Saturday or Sunday? I don't, I don't I've never felt that, and I I sort of feel the same about Hideki more broadly at major championships.
0: Yeah. Hideki has not inserted himself into the conversation enough at major championships. A guy who has won Brooks Kepka, finished in a tie for fifth, flies up the leaderboard on Sunday at the Houston Open, and actually the weekend was great. He shot back-to-back 65s, and now we play the game again, KP, which is like, oh boy, it's, it's major season. The Masters is here. Brooks goes 65-65. Now what?
1: Well, I I don't. I don't necessarily know what, but he, here's a stat that I looked up. So D, uh, Brooks has won 14 times worldwide in his career since 2000. I think 12 is when it, his professional career began. He's he's won actually every year except for this year uh, on some tour, not necessarily on the PGA tour. And the tournament directly preceding eight of those wins was a top 10, which is a little weird because he doesn't he. <laughs> I mean, he's not like a top 10 machine. Like, I don't I don't think of him as being a top 10 machine. Statistically, he's not really. Mm. But he does have these like two, three, four tournament stretches that seem to kind of cluster around the majors where you're like, oh, well, I guess Brooks is playing well this this month or whatever.
0: Um, so you argue he's, he's kind of telegraphing a lot of these victories by playing well leading into it. He's not one of these guys that just snaps off, flips the switch and wins them. He telegraphs it a bit.
1: Yeah, so he won Beth Page the week before he finished top five at uh, Byron Nelson. He won—I um, oh, can't remember what else. It might have been—it might have been Bell Reeve in the week before he finished top ten at the Fed, at the uh, St. Jude. So he he does this a lot, and I don't necessarily know if that means he's going to win the Masters. But it, I mean, even even pulling back, like it's nice to just see him play good golf, you know. I thought it was weird. He said after his, uh, his post-round deal, he said he put a new driver in the bag the first two rounds that it probably cost him the tournament, um, which I guess, like, I don't know, get get everything out of the way, get everything that you need to for Augusta, but I thought that was kind of interesting as well.
0: Yeah. You know what it is? So, I mean, I'm just kind of scrolling through his official world golf ranking page and even majors aside his victory at the WGC FedEx St. Jude. He had a top five, his start before that, his victory yep. at the PJ championship finished fourth at the AT&T Byron Nelson previous uh, CJ cup victory. He finished in, in seventh at, Alfred Dunhills, which is a European tour event. So maybe there is, maybe there is something to this KP. Now I'll throw a little bit of cold water on this as, as much as I, I I tweeted this out today, like what would be the best final pairing or final group a a week from right now on Sunday at Augusta national. And a lot of it included Brooks. And I think that would be amazing. He kind of like, I mean, he gained over eight strokes between his putter and his uh, short game this week. So around the green and and putting, he lost strokes on approach. That's not something that's usually very sustainable for Brooksy. So uh, I want to throw a little bit of cold water on it, but I would love it, obviously, if he finds a way to inject himself in the leaderboard next week.
1: Yeah, and that's a little of what we saw at um, TPC Harding Park, right, is like sort of this faux contention where when the chips are down on a on a late Saturday and, and on a Sunday, it's like, uh, your game's really not there. You know, and so so that might be the case, but I don't know. I, I think that um, I at least have a little bit of like, hey, Brooks is alive going into Augusta rather than like, is Brooks alive, which is kind of what the 18, last 18 months have been
0: like. Uh, I mean, you know, we can, we're obviously going to talk a lot about the Masters, but you we could probably not ask for better results leading into this right Bryson's coming off the yeah. win in the top 10 and he's been hibernating for four weeks John Rahm DJ <laughs> I love it when you say that he's hibernating <laughs> it's really true right I mean you know the guy's hibernating um, uh, You know, uh, DJ John Rahm have been on fire Justin Thomas has been really good but flying under the radar just because everyone else has been awesome Xander's been great now Brooks is giving us a flash I mean if you wanted all of the powers of the golfing world to converge for the biggest week of the year feels like we're getting it well I'm just looking through the
1: top 20 and I guess the guy that that you're the most like down on so to speak would be Fleetwood yeah and everybody else is kind of like playing pretty great
0: I mean Hatton Hatton's won three times in 15 starts now 16 starts Webb Simpson uh, uh Patrick Cantlay just won like I mean this is it baby let's go I think I think Rory, you might be a little little down on, although he's played better over the last two or three starts. Uh, it's only by his own standards, though. Like it, he's he's been good. So unfortunately, so, Rory, baseline Rory's amazing for sure. I agree, but I
1: was looking at his. So Data Golf has this great thing. I'm not paid by Data Golf, <laughs> you way. you should be.
0: We, we're going to work on that. I, sh- I should be. <laughs>
1: uh, you can stretch out like the true strokes gained over the course of somebody's career. And if you look at his strokes gain on approach shots over the course of his career, it's only been lower. Like It's a it's a 50-round lagging average, so that's probably three or four months. Uh, it's only been lower than where it is right now I think once, maybe yep. twice. So he, he's really, his iron play is not, I mean, and again, like should you be looking at a 50-round window? Should you be looking at a 5-round window? Who knows? Uh, it's been better the last few events, but it hasn't been great the last three or four months. So I think that's the part where you I mean, you have to hit your irons graded, I guess, to, to win. There.
0: It's funny you brought that up because I did the same exercise this morning. I used a 38-round uh, lag Before. because because that was that's since the restart. That's how, bad, I, that's how many rounds he's played since the restart. So okay. I, I wanted to find, was there another 38-round period that he's been this bad? And the answer was yes, one other time about about two years ago.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, who knows? I, I'm a little... I'm wary to pick – I don't know why we're talking about Rory right now. I'm wary <laughs> to pick him at Augusta just because it's such a – it's become such a thing that it's just it, – I don't know. It, it just – it almost feels like it's gotten too big. Like, he needed to get it out of the way in 2011. Mm. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe not having patrons there. Maybe not. Maybe maybe the November thing is, is – I mean <laughs> – you're going to hear that narrative a billion times this week. Maybe this is what Rory needs. Uh, maybe it is. Who knows? Uh, maybe he just needs to hit better iron shots into the greens at Augusta National.
0: Yeah, that should be the narrative is don't be tour average with your irons for 38 straight rounds. Just yeah. be be yourself. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Augusta National. We are going to look ahead to some, pe- some potential uh, picks for next week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. All right, KP, I want to actually – I want to talk. spend a couple minutes talking about this. I, I tweeted it out. The responses were basically Brooks and Bryson uh, for the most part. But if you have to pick a final pairing Sunday at Augusta, and you can – any any criteria you, you want to determine this is the best pairing, uh, who are the final two guys in contention? Uh,
1: so I have I have three different answers. Just I, I haven't given this a ton of thought.
0: Three different answers. Okay, I like it. Uh, <laughs>
1: So Rory JT would be great. Yeah. Um, Just as like, Hey, maybe the, maybe the, just, I I don't know. I I always go back to that quote about how Rory said JT was the other hardest working guy, you know? And Mm -hmm. and I, I I think they're both pretty likable. Um, My son, like those are his two guys, Rory and JT. So I think that would be cool. Uh, Rory and Bryson. I think your answer is, is one of the ones that sticks out. And then I think one that is a little, um, maybe off the beaten path a bit is is Morikawa and and Matthew Wolf. I think to get you know because we we saw a little bit of that at uh TPC Harding Park they weren't playing together but they were both like top four for that last two hours or whatever yeah and, and also we haven't seen a first-timer they're both first-timers at this event we haven't seen a first-timer win it in 40 years and I think that a bunch of different circumstances have kind of set up for a first-timer to win it uh, this year that are oh, very unusual. I agree. And I think that those two guys, they're going to be on Ryder Cups. I mean, I, I just, I think that would be kind of a cool ending to uh, to, to 2020.
0: I completely agree that if there was ever, I mean, we know what Fuzzy Zeller, nineteen seventy-seven or eight or whatever it was, um, was the last first time or debutante to win at Augusta. If there, if it was gonna, like, I feel like it's t- significantly more likely this year with different, potentially different conditions, different uh, wind directions. We talk about what experience means uh, and guys who have ten eight, ten years of knowledge built up in their brains, if it plays a lot different, uh, might take them a round or two, might mess with them.
1: Yeah, and not have. I think that not having patrons there matters. I think, you know, the just the delay of not having to play it in April, whereas now Morikawa has the experience of winning a major championship. Wolf has the experience of playing in the final pairing at a major championship with Bryson at the U.S. Open. That, you know, it, again, like, it's weird that the Masters is on the back end, but that, I think all of those things that we just both mentioned – um, could
0: lead to one of those guys winning. I, re- I really do. Uh, my answer of, as you mentioned, Rory and Bryson would just be, I-, I mean, come on, This it's it's good versus evil. Rory going for the career grand slam. Imagine him stepping up to 10 T in the final pairing with Bryson there who's trying to, br- I mean, if there was ever, golf is such a traditional game, no place more traditional than Augusta National and the Masters. Bryson trying to break it, Uh obviously we've spent a lot of oxygen on him the last couple of months, last year or so that to me is like great for golf and great for us in the media, because we're going to have a lot to talk about. For sure. (laughs) And I think that you would have, well, you would have
1: everybody rooting for different things too. You would have, you would have fans and media rooting for Rory because he's the best. You would have other people rooting for Bryson because they want to see this sort of, change in the equipment game and, and the way courses are played you would have i mean there there would there would be a lot of different angles to those guys playing together and we didn't even mention like i don't know dj and brooks or rom and rory or you know throw reed at that speed i don't know something insane like there's or so different the
0: defending, the defending champion tiger woods we didn't even mention i keep forgetting his, <laughs> his game is just it's not good i mean yeah.
1: You know, we'll we'll talk about Tiger next week, but I I, I just, I I wrote in um, my 10 storylines, I I wrote that he's more likely to serve Wendy's at the Champions Dinner than he is to win the event.
0: Oh, man.
1: No offense to Wendy's.
0: Yeah, Wendy's is pretty good, but that's, oh man, that's tough. I don't think it's wrong, but it's tough. (laughs) It hurts. Frosties, but. Maybe some frosties at the champions that are frosties for everybody. All right. Looking ahead to let's, let, me, let me pull up the odd board here real quick. So William Hill uh, and these numbers have moved a little bit. DJ, obviously coming off of that finish at the Houston open dropped a point or so. So here's where we're at Sunday evening before yeah, master's let, week. Can I try and guess? Sure. You know, I love this. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, by the way, I'm watching Corey Pavin play this senior event right now. How's he doing? Is, are you watching this? No, I have Red Zone on. He uh, he he just carried one like 205 yards. So it, uh, it's a tough scene on the championship.
0: D- different game, I think. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so I think Bryson's like seven to one.
0: Yeah, uh, William Hill, uh, our partners, our friends over at William Hill right now, have him at eight to one. He is your okay, favorite eight to one. Uh, Rory at nine. Rory's at twelve. Woo! There you go. We, are, we just found Kyle Porter's value bet of the week.
1: Because <laughs> right. uh, we would have taken Rory at 9. It's ROM at, ROM at 10, JT at 11.
0: Yeah, so you're, you're, you're right on. So so there was a little bit of drift. So ROM is 11, JT's at 12. So you're right, right. in the neighborhood. And yeah. then DJ at probably 10 or 11. DJ got to 9, so that was the move. So, wow. so, so we are now at Bryson 8, DJ 9. Rom and JT have drifted to 11 and 12. Rory has also drifted to 12. And then Xander at 14. And then Brooks made a move today. Because uh, I think he was like, I think you could have got him at 22 two days ago. He's 16 to 1 now.
1: So I, I wrote an article probably six weeks ago about guys that you should get in on bin because their value is going to be different. And one of them was, I think Xander was like 18 or 20. Yeah. And I thought he would settle at probably at best like 14 which i guess probably maybe i think i might have said 12 but i i i think that that's hopefully people got in on that and then the other one to me that there's value on is is rom at 11 to me he he should be and again you're you're talking you're not getting like you're never going to get a ton of value with these guys at least with the top guys but to me rom should be eight nine ten not not 11 or 12.
0: i want to talk about bryson and dj here It's because they're both so similar eight eight to one nine to one um i i would argue these guys kind of have some of the the larger largest ranges of outcomes right like like bryson might go nuts and win this by six shots and yeah. dj might just go nuts. but like outside of the 80 80 78 stretch that dj had uh whatever it was tra- memorial and travel or something like that um his floor is pretty high, right? Like, I feel like that stands out in my mind that like, Oh my God, he might just implode and miss the cut and all this stuff. But really outside of those three rounds, that might not necessarily be true.
1: Yeah. And I think when I think about what you just said, I think about his four specifically at majors. So he's played 44 majors in his career. That's crazy. And he's finished in the top, 10, 19 times
0: also crazy,
1: <laughs> which is almost half. I mean, it's probably, I guess 40% or 42% or something like that. That's a lot, yeah, you know? Really and if you look at, he's finished in the top 10 at each of his last four masters, he's finished in the top 10 at four of his last five U S Opens. So it's, it's almost tilted even more heavily toward, you know, the last five or six years. I mean, last, so since 2015, he's played in 4-8, 12-16. He's played in 21 majors, and he's finished in the top 10 in 11 of them. So he's 11 out of his last 21 in terms of top 10s at majors.
0: That's wild. That's, I mean, it's unbelievable. That's sick, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to look here. The top of the board is... But what so, do you use that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I mean, I'm telling you, the top of this board here, I can't remember. I mean, I have a, I have a pretty bad memory, but like, I also can't remember being like, there's like five guys I love here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm luckily sitting on a JT ticket at twenty to one from like a Ooh. year ago. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't really have to make a, a Justin Thomas decision this week. I've already, I've already got that. I also have a Justin Rose ticket that is probably worth less now than it was at like sixty to one or
1: whatever. Who in like the top? Twenty or top fifteen in the world would most surprise you if they won.
0: Probably as much as I love him, probably webb I think would be the most surprising. Not um, Daniel Berger. Well, well. If, if Daniel Berger finds a way to get in and then wins <laughs> it, I would be, color me very surprised. Yes, <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's webb I I love this guy. I I think unfortunately the the game hasn't been as sharp, but like it looks like it's going to be kind of. I don't know. I don't want to say it's warm, but like I thought they, I thought they dodged a bullet on it. Could have been really cold down there. How is the temperature, by the way?
1: It's phenomenal. I've been, I've been going on runs in the morning, and it is like, I mean, you can. It's it's the kind of weather where you can either wear pants or shorts, and it does like it. it you're good either way. It's, yeah. it's it's so perfect. It's supposed to rain a ton though.
0: Yes, there is there is rain in the forecast. Now I've I've been kind of joking that like Augusta National with the sub air and they can basically put a bubble over this thing and and we wouldn't even know it's raining, which is kind of a joke, uh, <laughs> but but kind, only kind of. Um, like if it plays longer, right? If it plays wet and longer, I think it's definitely better for Bryson, definitely better for DJ. I think it hurts Webb a lot. As much as I'd love to see him win it, that would be the one I think is probably most surprising. I-
1: that's probably right although he he finished he had like the quietest t5 ever uh, yeah. last year I think Hatton and I don't know Reed feels weird to say since he's won one within the last three years but it's just I don't I don't know. That that to me would be a I guess a little surprising. The thing know.
0: about the thing about Reed that is that's interesting is I feel like he can win a lot of different ways. Like if this somehow gets to obviously exaggerating, but like eighteen under par, I feel like he's alive. If it gets like nine under, I feel like he's alive. You know, some yeah. it's it's kind of weird. Everything has to kind of click form, but we've seen him get hot at times. I don't know. It's it's an interesting game to play, like which of these guys because they're all so good and and we talked about the form that they're in, it'd be hard to pick against one of them.
1: Man, I'm I'm pumped. I'm so excited. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be
0: awesome. So how are you? Okay, so you are in quarantine at the moment. So yep. you're not you're what? Not allowed to leave the hotel room and go. Uh, home? <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're staying in the hotel room. Don't yeah. blow this yeah. now. <laughs> Kyle Porter has not left his hotel room. He's not gone out for runs. He's not done anything. Yeah. He's I've a- been
1: actually. Doing laps around my bed.
0: So. There you go. That's what you meant. Um, and then you'll what well, you'll think about the be at the course maybe Tuesday. I think Tuesday uh, at the earliest,
1: or then maybe Wednesday. The, the weird thing this year, there's not a ton going on. So usually you're at the course on Wednesday, and there's a lot going on, right? You can go practice runs in the morning. You got part three. You got the, you know uh, press conferences with different. There's just there's a ton, and this year it's like I don't know. Do I even need to be there until Thursday? I, I think that part. Um, You know, there's some, I was thinking about this today. There's some, like, legit, like, lament in all this. Like, so much of of the Masters is such a celebration of golf, of community, of all these different things. And you don't get that this year. I mean, you sort of get it, but not really. But also, it's awesome that we're still having a Masters in 2020. So I've got kind of these conflicting emotions going on. And I'm sure that'll be the case for a lot of people that are kind of involved with this at a high level this week.
0: I wonder how it's going to feel once play starts Thursday morning when the event starts, obviously no patrons will be weird, but I wonder if everybody will just be like, all right, here we go. We've got a leaderboard. Let's, let's rock and roll. I think that's probably true. And I
1: think especially because most people are experiencing it on TV or online, like it just, it won't feel, I'm really curious. And I'm going to write this piece on probably Thursday or Friday. Like, cause I've been here so many times with patrons, like what is it like and how is it different? It is, I mean, obviously it's going to be different, but what is it like specifically without them? And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's going to change the outcome of this event. You can't, you can't live the alternative reality. Like you can't live in the alternative universe where, uh, you know, who uh, Justin Thomas wins with 50,000 people here. Yeah. Um, but we have to go into it knowing that like it, It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same leaderboard or outcome if there were patrons here. So that part of it is just, it's very strange to me.
0: I would like to see you write the article of the 2 million other simulations that could have happened if there were fans there. That'll take you a little bit of time, but that would be a lot of fun to see. Webb would win. (laughs) Webb would win one of them. Okay, so wait, when I I simulated this in April, Webb won it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if that comes true. My God. That would be incredible. So good. All right, we are going ham this week again. Live streaming. Are you nervous about that? Do we have a dump button? Yeah. What What happens? I'm scared.
1: I'm I'm not gonna say anything controversial. <laughs> I might say something controversial. I'm not gonna curse. You know,
0: <laughs> Greg and I tested it out uh, last week. It went fine. We just got a Jacob's on uh, troll troll patrol in the uh, in the chat, which is always good. That's good. So we'll be live streaming all week. That's youtube.com slash first cut podcast. Obviously check everything out on social. We'll blast it all out there at first cut pod on Twitter and Instagram, and then leave your questions in a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. Kyle Porter is on the scene. You can follow him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.
1: On Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley won love. Ready PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.